Did you see a picture of uh, the post on Instagram that I did? No. I um, but basically the microphone. I've lost the spit guard thing, so I put um, I put one of my socks over it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be posting it online. Yeah, man. Raw. Hey, do you want to be a DJ? Well, why I want to be a DJ? Welcome, sanitations, friends, foes, all are welcome, except Trump supporters, to the I Wanna Be A DJ podcast. I am your host, Varsky. It'd be weird if I wasn't, because I'm in the name. And welcome to episode one. It's a very special occasion, a monumental occasion. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what you can do right now to help me out on this podcast. I am with the one and only Thomas Bowski. Hello. Hello. Now, for those of you that don't know who Tom is, Tom is the roadman that I ride with along with uh, Rewire. Roadman? Uh, yeah. Was, well, what else is it? Fellow, ro- uh, fellow road gangster. Uh, he is a cameraman for Club MTV, and also he's the one that thinks he looks like Zatan Ibrahimovic. He wishes he was me. <laughs> you hate Zlatan. Um, oh, so what are you eating? I hear that. Got some nice... Bone special poached egg on toast. I had poached egg today. The, the problem with poached eggs, it takes ages to cook. Are you joking? Do you have, um, do you, have you got them poached egg maker things and plastic bowls that you put the egg in and then just put it in hot water? No, you're doing it all wrong. No, you need that in your life. Listen, go on YouTube. Yeah. Type in perfect eggs with Gordon Ramsay. It's all about the little whirlpool he makes. Uh, okay. Poached egg, at least just two and a half minutes, three minutes. Make sure you... Toast is cooking at the same time. Okay, so basically I wanted to get you on today, and I wanted to get you on quite a few of my shows. First of all, like, you can't keep interviewing people, because that just gets a bit tiresome. And second of all, um, on on this one in particular, i got to be honest, so I asked, I put a post out on Facebook and Instagram saying, uh, on one of the episodes, I wanted to ask, I wanted everyone to ask me questions. And the whole reason why this podcast started is because I just had loads of messages over the course of like the years asking, you know, where, where did you where did you start? How did you get involved with MTV? And I just thought, you know, what, it's a really good idea just to do this about all the DJs in the industry. And it has been so far. It's been a really therapeutic kind of process. And this one is about all the questions that you guys have asked me. Um, and Tom's got my Instagram open. I've got my Facebook open. And we're going to go through them one by one. So... Tom, what's your first question? So we'll start from the beginning of yourself. So Q Jones 2800, how did your first DJ set go? When was it? So my first DJ set was in a club called Echoes in Loughborough. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> honestly. Oh my God, I've been there. Really, <laughs> and I don't, I'm just trying to think about how I actually got it. I remember in my second year of uni, I set up like, my brother used to have a mixer, a cam mixer, a really good one back in the day. Obviously, now it's all done by Pioneer. But my brother had a cam mixer because he wanted to be a DJ. Um, and this was when, like, DJ CDJs weren't even invented. This was a while back in the 90s. And I I had the mixer. And then I also had um, two, like, you know the CD players that slot into, like, a, a big unit? Yep. I had, I had two of those, and I set that up at my uni halls, and I was just DJing, and I was really into, like, grime and garage, because, I mean, that's when it was pure, and it was really, really good. And um, I did, um, my halls did a little party at Echoes, 
and I DJ'd there. And obviously, like I was, I was bad. And bear in mind that you can't mix on these things. I was just like trying to do whatever I could. I was bad. I couldn't mix anyway. Never mixed in my life. And then the club asked me back to do a warm up set <laughs> for their R and B night. <laughs> How much did you charge? I, I did it for free, man. My first like, like, twenty events were for free. And so they're like, um, the the manager was like, "Yeah, do you want to come and do it?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." Now bear in mind, like it's an R and B night, and you know. There were good DJs back then, and CDJs were available by this time, obviously. So I went and did my warm-up set, and I, w- I don't even want to think about how bad I was. Honest, I, honest, oh, my God. It's embarrassing to think how bad I was. To the point where the D, the resident DJ who's playing after me came on, up to me an hour before I was meant to finish and saying, yeah, listen, mate, I think you should go off. <laughs> And I was like, I've got another hour, mate. And he's like, no, no, these lot are here to listen to R&B, but, you know, thanks anyway. So I was I'm pretty like, sure that happens now as well. Well, I, I don't know <laughs> if it does. It might do. But I don't think, I think because the accessibility and how easy it is to learn how to DJ now, I think people will start off on a better level than I did. And uh, I packed up, my, packed up my bags and I went to the manager and I was just like, um, have you, could I ask for money for taxi? And like to go to my halls, it cost about five pound, four pound ninety back then. And um, and he was like, "Oh, sorry, mate. There's just no money in the tills." And I'm like, "There's like fucking. There's ninety people in this club. They've all played a fiver. So I had to walk it home, and that was my first ever DJ set. <laughs> I'm <laughs> but, sorry, you walk yeah, home. I'm, oh, I'm walking home. <laughs> Literally, yeah. that wasn't um my. That was my first DJ set. Obviously, I MC like a bad boy MC. MC Var um, before that and I was like 14 and I did a, a, a gig for some friends that I knew at this place called The Shed in Le- Leicester do you remember that? The Shed it was I literally remember, a shed I know of it but I never went myself yeah it was literally a shed and this was bear in mind I've never been clubbing in my life and I was shit scared because obviously it's a big deal um, I had to lie to my parents because there was no way in hell they would have let me go to this. And I went and did like a MC set with some DJs that I knew. And then that place got ransacked by these lads. They came in and honestly, I fucking shat myself. Like they came in and uh, there's about 20 of them rolling in, going straight to the decks. Like, where's the mic, blood? Where's the mic? And I was the only one with the microphone. And this was like, it was about an 18 pound microphone, but it was my pride and joy. And I'm like, I can't lose this. I can't lose this. So I hid in the corner with my mic, <laughs> hoping they wouldn't see me, and hoping no one would say, "Yeah, he's got the mic." <laughs> and then the, the, the police—they had to call the police, and um, I, we had to sit downstairs like with with everyone while the police like sorted it all out. And I had my brother calling me, "Where are you? Where are you? Where are you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm just downstairs having a few drinks with the lads." He's like, "I'm outside, mate. I've been outside for half an hour, and I couldn't tell him that I can't leave because the fucking police are inside." <laughs> oh God. That was um, that was my first experience of emceeing and DJing. What was it? What was the other part of the question? That was the part of the question. Where has he gone? Q Jones. Yeah, what's Q Jones saying? What are you saying, Q Jones? This is how did your first DJ set go? So you've answered that, and when yeah. was it? So how old was you? Um, so my first DJ set was the second year of uni. So what's that? Nineteen. But when did you first go out on a night out? What do you mean? To DJ or just out? No, to party, yeah. Oh, so 17 uh, in Leicester. Really? Yeah, at, at Poonana, which used to be soup. <laughs> Poonana? Yeah. That, that, they used to let people in underage and everyone knew it. So, like, as soon as we went to, like, I think it was the first year of uni, I was 17, and I went out 
on like the first week and that pretty much went out every week after that for the rest of my life um and uh yeah Puna and I, that was my first time and i remember that because there was a girl that i really fancied and i got off of her that night <laughs> i was well happy <laughs> got off with her <laughs> did wkd yeah well yeah. mate it was smell of ice okay so um big up q big jones up. thanks thanks for your message mate let's go with Timon cockart i think that's <laughs> <laughs> what's up Timon cockart what's going on I think I've pronounced it right. So he asked the worst show you've ever done. Um, it would have to be well, worst t- show that I I've, I remember. Because bear in mind that a lot of these shows, um, like I don't know about you, Tom, but I can't remember half the shows if they're shit. I kind of like I kind of block them out of memory. But the worst show that I remember was the one in Sunderland for for, for the Ministry of Sound Uni Trash. Do you remember that? Were you, oh, you didn't? Did no, you? No, because I joined towards the end of Uni Trash. Oh. I did three dates with you. Okay, so Uni Trash was like a baby concept of what Club MTV has become now, and Ooh. that was when. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <Because>. <laughs> and it was me rewire, and this is when I used to like. Re- I was really like into the face paint, and you know, giving it all uh, with the whole face paint of these little clubs and stuff. And it was fun. It was like it was my first experience doing like. Wrote, like touring and stuff and we had uh we had a show in sunderland with hadouken do you remember them yep um and hadouken are for those of you that don't know hadouken google them because they've got some really good tracks um they are like an indie rock band uh like very alternative like quite aggressive yeah, they're all right they're really really good but uh the the habit was to put us on after the headline acts back in them days um and when the headline act is has played and nobody knows who you are, f- I'll be fucking lucky if people stay to watch you. Um, and naturally, after the headline act plays, people go home. Everywhere in the world, people go home. And put this into a little club in Sunderland. Honestly, it was made of wood. If that place, like, you know, if you lit that place on fire, the place would go down in a second because the whole place was made of wood. It was like a... It, was, it reminded me of a school assembly hall. Hadouken played and then me and, me, me and Rewire went on. And everyone left. <laughs> and we were left with four people. And I was just like, fuck it. I started doing conga on the dance floor with these four people and stuff. And then to make it worse, I think prior, we did like a little warm-up set as well. And the table Rewire was DJing on collapsed <laughs> as he was DJing. <laughs> went from bad to worse. Oh, it was funny. It's funny looking back at it now. I mean, these are memories that stay with you for life. And... You know, you look back, the, t- the table was like, do you know wrestling, right? On the tables that they use to crash through, there's like these wooden tables with these legs. Um, they were them tables, but one of the legs, one side of the legs weren't attached properly. And it just clapped, it just folded in with all the decks on it. <laughs> Everything just went, do, 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 do. <laughs> but did, did you have t-shirts to go out? Yeah, bare t-shirts, bro. <laughs> that, that was when like, the t-shirt game was strong. <laughs> still is strong. Yeah, it still is, mate. I, I went on um, Depop the other day. Yeah. Well, actually, actually, not the other day. It was about two months ago. Searching for a few bits. And uh, with a screenshot of someone selling a Club MTV t-shirt saying worn by Kanye going for $300 or something. I, I'm pretty sure Kanye West has not never worn a Club MTV t-shirt. No, probably. And, and if he has, if he has, I'm, I, I'm not on enough money. 
shouts to Kanye. What up, Kanye? Yeezy. He'll definitely be uh, listening to this. Yeah, mm. Kanye, if you're listening, mate, call your pies, right? The world likes you. We just we just think you're a bit a bit too much. But at the same time, you got to do what you got to do and make media. So that's cool. Great trainers. Well, are you still into them? <laughs> I've kind of gone off them a little bit. <laughs> I'm this mine. <laughs> the ones that, let's, let's not the, go into that. that you never washed. On <laughs> <laughs> them every day for a year. <laughs> Don't worry. I, I keep <laughs> waiting. It's okay. <laughs> they stack. They used to stink the hotel rooms out, man. Uh, no, they didn't. It wasn't, mate. It was definitely, definitely your trainers. And no, you're the were. one that used to walk out after a shower and be like, oh, by the way, me and, me and Tom share rooms. And um, um, you walked out of the shower and you're like, what the fuck is that smell? It's your trainers, dickhead. But they were easy, so we can forget about that. Okay. okay. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Well, right, well, well, thank you for that question, mate. That was, um, that was the worst DJ set I can remember. But bear in mind, I have to say this as well, is that in, in doing what I do, I love doing what I do. And... A bad set is never a bad set. It's just like not as good as a good set. There's always, there's always things that you like and dislike about sets, um, but there's never a set where I've stood there and be like, "Oh, I hate this. I hate this," because I generally love what I do, and it just means it's not as good as a good set. So, thanks for the question, mate. Next question. Okay, from Shishums what on Instagram. Shishums? Are you going to be at Plymouth this year? Um, well, I think well. <laughs> By the time this goes out, um, I'm pretty sure the date will be released. Because as we're recording this, um, and for those who don't know, we're not recording live. Fuck's sake, what is this? Um, we're recording this and they've released the dates, right? So it's Thursday and Friday in July. I think it's the 27th, 20th, or something like that. I don't know. Um, can I confirm we're on it? I, I just, I think people can just assume we are. I think so. Yeah. Um, so... I can't wait for that event. Um, I don't know how much I can say about it right now, but I, I, what I will say is I, it will be the biggest one yet. I can say that. I'm pretty sure I can. Yeah, it probably will be, but no, let's I, move on in case we spoil anything and yeah. then get sacked. <laughs> Next question. Okay. I don't know how to pronounce this one. Muto Glamour Girl. What up, Muto Glamour Girl? How did you get so hench? <laughs> <laughs> well, the key is... Are you is asking that, the right person? Well, when, when, um, well why don't, the question should be asked to Tom. Come, let's, how did you get so hench? Um, a lot of biscuits. Yeah. A lot of poached egg on toast. Balsy mix as well. Balsy mix. mix is essential in keeping yourself hench. Um, a few cookies, not too many. Yeah, it's always right to get the am- right amount. Kinder Egg. Oh, mate, I haven't had a Kinder Egg in ages. Have you seen the new Kinders they do now? So, basically, I was always confused, because in Europe, whenever we go and I buy a Kinder Egg, you open it, and it's like this spoon and, a, and like, this chocolatey dip, right? Okay. With, like, a little biscuit inside. That was Kinder in Europe. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? Where's my, where's my half white, half milk chocolate egg? And, um... That's finally come to England now. And they're the new kinder things in the plastic egg shapes. Have you seen them? No. Um, we got some from the shop the other day. Mate, they are, they are. Not just one. Oh, a pack of six. Okay, but then when you get a pack of six, that pack of six becomes one as you're eating it. 
Well, they lasted two days, I think. Well, that's pretty impressive. My nan always gets me um, Kinder for my Christmas and birthday. Um, that's like gospel. Every, every birthday and every Christmas, I'll get a pack of three from my nan. And I won't open it because I don't want to share it with anyone. And then what I do is I sit down and watch a film and I'll just eat them all myself. I could probably get a whole egg in my mouth at one time and it'll go within like a minute. That's what she said. Yeah, <laughs> we. <laughs> um, but I was never a kinder man. I, I can honestly say. What, what, what was your chocolate of choice, Thomas? Maybe a crunchy or a caramel. I found crunchy really harsh on my teeth, though. And they yeah, still are. If you're eating chocolate, there's no point it feeling. Yeah. Know, like, but even mm. still, you want to make the most out of the experience and you want to enjoy it, right? Yeah, but the enjoyment is knowing that it's damaging your teeth. Yes. It's like drinking full-fat Coke, which I haven't drunk in so long. I have. I've got a bottle in my fridge. Oh, mate. So, I told you, right, when I had my tooth removed, I told you I'd put it in Coke. Yep, and it went soggy. It went really soggy. So, for everyone that's listening, um, I had uh, uh, one of my teeth removed, um and what does everyone do when they get a tooth removed uh they put it in a glass of coke and i left it in there for about a week and i video i did a video diary of it and i'll send it to, to tom and <laughs> as the day as the days went on the, the tooth became more and more black and obviously i wasn't touching it at the end of the week i took it out the tooth was squidgy like it the, it was like rubber and i haven't touched like full fat coke Unless it's like a sip or something, like when we stop off at Macadies and I'll have a sip. A sip? Yeah. Do large coke, please. Do, do large coke, <laughs> no ice. Because if you ask for no ice, you get more coke in it. <laughs> Standard. We need to get one of those helmets. Them uh, helmets that fit the drink on either side. What are they actually called? I don't know. Like, have, a have a look online. Drink helmets. Drink helmets. Yeah, but not for coke. We need at least. One side milkshake, one side. Yeah, one side milkshake, one side Costa Coke. cooler? Mm, but a Costa cooler fits in the same bracket as a Coke. It's not as bad. But, uh, you know. Yeah. I guess 2016 was kind of weak for Costa coolers. It was always... 2015 was Costa cooler, yeah? Cool, cool, Costa cooler. Every, every trip we took... Uh, obviously, well, we stop at the services. What was 2016? We were very kind of we were very money conscious in 2016, and also health conscious as well. Um, and I think a lot of the time it was either a diet coke <laughs> because we're that health conscious, <laughs> <laughs> or it was uh, we never got a cooler. I'm pretty sure we had at least two. Yeah, the whole year. Um, but you got water a lot of the time. <clears throat> yeah. Again, I've never been a big water fan. Sounds weird, but, you know, sometimes you just got it. That's why I'm so hench, I guess. Yeah, I've got, um, in front of me now, I've got a gallon bottle from our friends at Pegasus Athletic. And uh, it's got, basically, I fill it up every day. And the the, the, the it's 200 millilitres. No, 2,000 millilitres. So whatever that is. And I fill it up every day. Uh, and my task is to go through it. And by the end of the day, if I'm not, like, got the spit into the bottom, uh, I'll have to, like, just down the whole thing before bed. And then I'll need, like, three pisses during the night. 
Who is it? Pegasus. Pegasus Athletic. Um, a really good brand. I'm going to get more details <laughs> off the guy anyway, um, because he's a good friend of mine. And uh, so I'm pretty sure it's Pegasus. If you Google Pegasus Athletic, he does like, all health stuff, like clothes, uh, gym wear. And uh, yeah, so give give uh, give Pegasus Athletic a look at, because he's a good friend and he's worked very hard to get where he is. Um, and he's doing really well. Uh, next question. So thank you for whoever that question was. I'm hench because... Um, I gym, I, I gym, um, but it's not really hench. It's a lot of fat, and that's due to my mum and dad <laughs> and me enjoying great food um, and, you know, living a good, good, happy life. Okay, well, why don't we have one from Facebook? Go on then. All right, so let's go to Facebook. Um, I'll look at random here, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, so um, my, fav- my favourite football team, who asked that? Where is that? Someone asked me, what's my favourite football team? Oh, what's your favourite football team? Luke Friend. What's going on, Luke? Uh, a big, big follower of me, and I appreciate that very much. What football team do you support? Luke, I support Liverpool. I have done all my life. Um, I, and uh, in the time that I've supported them, bear in mind that I didn't really get into football properly until I was about eight, and then it was straight up to Liverpool. Uh, the year before that was the last year they uh, they won the league. So no, I, was, I was six, born in 85. Uh, and they have never won the league since so basically i was told by my uncles you've got to support liverpool because they were the, they were the team back then and the year i actually started taking the notice and buying the match magazine and wanting the kits and watching the games they have never won the league since but they've won bear cups and they've won the champions league which is probably the best time of my footballing career um this liverpool football club uh through through tom what football team do you support Manchester United. Fuck off, scum. <laughs> can we just, can you just like, try to explain sort of like what's happening at the minute with uh, Liverpool? Just give a brief um, Do you know what? <clears throat> okay, so the start of the season, we were dominating teams. Like, I think, I don't think I've ever seen uh, a period of a period of time where Liverpool have been so dominant over teams, outplaying them. The teams had no idea what to do. And then... At the start of January 2017, I think the team's clocked on. Now, hold on a second. If we just put nine men behind the ball, Liverpool won't be able to break us down because they just haven't got enough creativity. And then we can catch them on the break because their defence is bollocks. And every time they've been caught, we've been caught out, we've been showed up by teams like Southampton at home. They play better than us. They deserve to win. They deserve to go through. Um, because our defence is a load of gobshite. Um and th- there's no creativity up front. Uh, there's a lot of players having a bad year. We we did have a lot of injury problems. Mane went off to the African Nations Cup for six weeks, and we missed him a lot. But it, we are at a really shit time. Man United are, what, how many points behind us now? Only a couple now. Yeah, and, you know, bear in mind, we were top at one point. Chelsea was six points behind us. They've now broken into, like, a 10-plus point lead. They've won the league, basically. It's Chelsea's Yeah, there's, there's no catching Chelsea now. Um... But okay. as a Liverpool fan, a Champions League is all I want this year. Um, it does hurt the fact that you were top at the start. We were top at the top of the season, and it hurts because like we tasted that, and it's like ah, oh, you know, we we threw this league away technically because we just weren't good enough. Um, so Luke, uh, I'm a Liverpool fan, um, and Tom's a Man U fan. Let's give one more from Facebook. All right, so Natalie Anderson was kind on that. Um, What's the best memories slash time you had at a gig and where? Right, that's um. 
I can think of so many. Yeah, but that's the problem because there are so many. But it's okay. Let's just let me think of one. Let me think of one that uh, like that comes to mind. I think on a serious note, the first year we did Plymouth. That oh yeah, because okay. Let's let's just let's just um, let me tell everyone the story about what I thought. Okay, before (laughs) Plymouth ever happened, we got our. We got our gigs through from management, and it just said Plymouth. There was never, there had never been a crashes before. I was so, you know, completely oblivious to what was going on in Plymouth for that event, and so I remember calling like uh, Tom and Rewire, and was just like, um, "What's this gig? Is it a club gig, boys? What's going on?" Just to like get a little brief, and uh, I don't think any of us knew what it was, and so you know, we assumed, yeah, it's probably going to be in a club. Apparently, it's going to be really good, um, and we're like, okay, cool, let's go, go Plymouth, and you turn up. And it ended up to be like one of the biggest events you've ever done in your life, purely because it was the first one of the kind that we did. And um, the the memory I have of that year was going on stage and basically going, Tom, Tom, water, water, water. <laughs> <laughs> I had a dry mouth like a motherfucker. I was so nervous because there's just so many people in front of you. And even yeah, the- we, we all were. We we're all side stage and we were literally like, how is this going to go? Is everyone just going to stand there and look at us? Like, who the hell are these three cuffers? Yeah, literally, literally. No one knows who we, we are. And that's that's the story of whatever we go, because we're not we're not the... Obviously, there are a few people that know who we are, but, you know, not really. Um, and back then, it was even more so. No one, knew, no one knew who we were. We were just going on this big stage to perform in front of thousands of people at an amazing event. And... I went on, as soon as I went on, I spoke on the microphone, my mouth went dry. It was like I'd eaten a lump of sand. And I was just, like, gushing water, like, just drinking water everywhere I could. And by by, by mid-set, you're, you're fully in the swing of things. But I remember that because I've got that footage on video. Uh, our manager, Becky, recorded it. I've got that on video where I went out, and it was like, oh, the sun is out in Plymouth now. And that was it. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you hear my voice, I'm trembling because I'm that nervous. Yeah, I guess I guess Plymouth Year One was special, um, and it's not more special. Than ever, it's special because it was our first major festival event. We'd never done anything like that before. No, I agree. Mm. It was um, Plymouth. That was good. And I'm pretty sure Nat is from Plymouth, so she's probably there. Hi Nat. Hi Nat. Right, D Tunnycliffe. Of all the places you've played, what would be your ultimate dream place to perform? Wait, of all the places you have played, what will be your ultimate dream place? That doesn't really make sense. But I'm, I'll make sense of what I think she means. What would be our dream place to perform? Yeah. I would have to say Ultra. Or Tomorrowland. Do you know what? Um, the tickets uh, sold out in three hours of Tomorrowland this year. Three hours. They have planes. They have Tomorrowland chartered aeroplanes. They have little parties going on the planes, yeah. Um, you know what? It, it's a close one. Either Ultra or Tomorrowland. For me, what? not that I perform, but for being with you guys, it'd probably be Tomorrowland. Just because it's different. You know, Ultra's, well, Miami anyway, it's just plonked in the middle of the city, which is great. But I mean, Tomorrowland, the setting is amazing. Whereas in Belgium. Yeah, Belgium. I'd have to agree, just because of like everything. That it comes with, um, yeah. Tomorrowland D would be the dream place. Um, do you know what I want to do? Obviously, I'm going to get you one, Tom. I I think it'd be a really good idea if we live watch uh, a DJ set and we just talk about it. 
Okay. So we'll choose... Wait, isn't Tomorrowland coming up? Oh, it's Ultra. Ultra's March. No, so it's not obviously like... It, the, the DJ set won't be live. We can watch a DJ set from 20 years ago if you want. But we'll literally... We'll watch it with the, with, with the listeners. And then we can just talk about it and crack jokes. Okay. Um, so yeah, that'll be, a, that'll be one thing that we do. So there you are, D. Thank you very much for your, your message. Um, and thank you very much for uh, supporting. The answer would have to be Tomorrowland. I've got another question here, which was DM to me. Duh, 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 duh. Oh, wait, this one first. What happened to the face paint? Oh, um, right. Where do I start? I've not, I dropped it like the start of 2015. Um, and, and I'll ask your opinion, Tom, because in my, it, basically it was a really like tough decision because to me, the face paint to this day is like my best creation yet. Yeah, I've I really, it was a form of expression and, I, and like me being on stage acting like that, it was just me times 20. Um, and if you see me like at the gym, like listening to music, you, you, you would understand that. Hold on a second. Like, yeah, that's him hype. But it got to a point, the bigger festa boss, the bigger events that we did with, with more recognizable artists and people big in the music industry, they got a lot of negative feedback. Like, you know, you need, for me personally, be like, yeah, you're great. You need to drop the face paint. Was this whole thing about not being cool enough? Yeah, it was. It's like, you just, you know, I don't think, I don't know what it was. I just think, but then people actually being sincere about it and say, look, people want to know you, not your face paint, like drop the face paint. And that's coming from someone who like, you know, I name him majestic. Who's like one of my good friends in the industry. I want to get him on the show. Um, he's one person that I can always call for advice and help. Cause he's, he's a genuine dude. And he was like, um, you know, people want to get to know you. You don't need the face paint anymore. And I think, to some extent, and that what he said was true, is that I was almost hiding behind the face paint because I was going through like a. I think on. I think it was it was a cover up. I could literally hide behind the face paint and not be myself. And I noticed that as soon as I dropped the face paint, it took about two three gigs because like going on stage with that face paint was like going on stage naked, and it was really difficult because I was finding my balls and I'm finding like being myself on stage but as soon as i got in the sink in the swing of things like i noticed a different reaction and there were just subtle differences and it's like you know what they they probably were right i'm really enjoying being myself on stage and on a personal level as well tom it really did help you know it helped it was very like it was quite empowering on a personal level um and you know made me be comfortable with who i am because I, I just think I struggled with that initially, especially in front of camera and stage. Mm. Well, I mean, it wasn't just the face paint, was it? Like, you know, you had this sort of stage outfit. Yeah, it was, thing it, it was the whole it was the whole thing. I was trying to take on a persona. Um, and I think, you know, initially that was OK. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing it, but I wasn't being myself. And when you know, when I'm when I'm on stage talking to people in the crowd, you either you, you can either be me or you can either be that that character, and you can't be both. Um, and it just didn't. I, I I dropped it because I just felt it didn't work for what we're doing. It doesn't work. But it's not to say I won't bring it back because I, Tom knows I've been toying with the idea of bringing it back. It'd be nice to know what sort of people think. Yeah. Like, People that are asking the questions. I, I've had loads of people say, you know, when are you going to wear Facebook? When are you going to wear... Because I think, you know, it, I, I believe people connect to it. Because the whole point of me doing it was that, you know, people 
it was it was a like a, almost like a signal to like lose all your inhibitions and, and just do what I'm, like you know you're not at work you ain't got any problems at home you're you're looking at this guy acting like a complete lunatic on stage with face paint and it's almost like a getaway that's what I wanted that's what I wanted to achieve with the whole face paint thing um, and in some situations it works and in some it doesn't but yeah it'd be interesting if you're listening or wherever you are. Drop me a message or drop Tom a message and let me know, you know, what you think. Should I should I bring it back for a gig or not? Because I am open to it. I think it'd be cool to just keep it as a, um, you know, for these big special events to just bring it back. Um, that I think so. It would only work if it's at an event like Plymouth where people would know who I am. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of events that we still do that, you know, 99% of the people in that crowd do not know who I am or do not know who Rewire Vasky are. Um... Maybe we need to do like a little promo. But even the even the pro, even the promo thing, I mean like we could do it, but that wouldn't increase the amount of people knowing who I am. Do you know what I mean? People it's kn- sort of teasing the idea that Yeah. So well, the people that do know, you know, teasing the we'll idea do, that we'll do a little promo that will come up in the next it should be up uh with in conjunction with this uh episode we'll get that promo done it'll be like a 10 second promo and let's see what people think okay just pay me in nando's yeah that's what <laughs> that's how i paid tom guys i buy him food <laughs> oh. go on instagram let's do let's do an instagram from me right right things that annoy you like people slurping on tea <laughs> <laughs> Oh Tom, I tell you, I tell you what fucking grinds my fucking gears. All right, when you're sitting in the cinema and people are going, <laughs> eat with your mouth closed, you motherfucker. I pay top dollar to sit in this fucking seat, which ain't even VIP, to watch this film, and all I can hear is you munching on fucking popcorn and nachos or whatever you're eating. Close your mouth when you eat. That's what really annoys me. Yeah. See, I'm an actual, I'm quite a serious cinema watcher. Well, well, I've not been in about half a year, but I don't mind going to the cinema on my own. Oh, cool. I'm that sort of person. You know, I went to watch, um, I went, the most recent film I went to watch on my own was Captain America Civil War. Did you get dressed up as well? No, I did not get dressed up. <laughs> that, that's only Star Wars. Me and my me and, me and my mate Kish, we have a uh, ritual. Whenever a new Star Wars is released at twelve o'clock, there's always a showing somewhere, and we always. Uh, the last time we went was Birmingham IMAX, and uh, we went to watch Episode Seven. Rogue One doesn't count. We we will we, we'll go and see that whenever. But when it's an actual Star Wars, so Episode Eight will be the next one. We will go at the twelve o'clock showing on the day it comes out. And it's fucking incredible. The cinema's packed. We're all dressed up. And they're giving out, like, you know, you can buy Star Wars memorabilia. I've got a Stormtrooper 3D glasses. <laughs> Did you have to pay for them? Yeah, five pounds, but still. <laughs> but that means if you ever go to watch another 3D film, you can't turn up with Stormtrooper. I fucking can, mate, because I'm not giving them a pound. I've, I've, <laughs> I've already taken them twice to different films. I went to watch... Um, Oh, Batman. <laughs> I rolled in with like Stormtrooper's sunglasses. And I went to watch... Um, I can't remember now. Batman was awful, by the way. It was Batman and Superman. Ugh. Still not watched it. Dude, it's, it's, it's worth a watch if you're at home. But I wouldn't... Uh, I was quite disappointed. The soundtrack to it, bringing it back to music, the soundtrack by Hans Zimmer is fucking insane. That guy's a genius. See, for me, I'm more. Of, I'm on the TV series a lot now, 
yeah. apart from now and again we'll sit down we'll watch like a little horror film but I'm more I'm obviously I've just started back into Walking Dead because I've not watched any of this season obviously Game of Thrones I caught up with yourself it's July now new series yeah we'll be doing um we'll be doing an episode recap guys uh, on this podcast after every episode me and tom are going to get together and yeah. talk about it um so get ready for that tom has only recently been introduced to game of thrones i think it was blackpool wasn't it i'd watched two episodes before i think i got to the second season no you hadn't finished the first season and you were like i don't like this it's really boring no it wasn't it was the second season because the end of second season sorry guys but there's a spoiler is when you first see the white walkers and i was we was literally backstage in blackpool and i remember just standing there for about three minutes just like what has happened when you first see the White Walkers, end of no, season. But that was that was once we got you to watch it again. So you had watched the first season, and then you stopped, and you were like, um, it, "Excuse me, um, um, it's um, it's not very good. It hasn't really caught me." And everyone's looking at yeah. us like, "What a fucking dickhead!" <laughs> Go and watch the second season, and it was it was somewhere like Blackpool. And I was there the moment you saw the White Walkers. <laughs> and I, and had then to I used those your data to uh, download yeah. the next episodes from Road. I had to I had to tether while he downloaded it from iTunes. Um, and he watched. He saw the White. His face, guys. Oh, when he saw the White Walkers. I think we'll watch that scene over like another five times. It's a just special, that scene. It's a special scene. I've got some questions here which have been DM'd to me one really interesting question is from simon um what was your biggest fuck up on stage <laughs> i've made many mate <laughs> i've made many uh, i can think of one that we shall not talk about but... yes well there, I, there's been some that i just want to forget um things things that i can laugh about now um when i first started doing this and i and you know i was uh, it was again. I think it, who did we do the spring break with? Was that Ministry of Sound? Yeah, right. So it was, it was back at the Uni Trash days, and we were doing a promotional gig for uh, the spring break in New Key or somewhere. And I had to go and tell the people what this was because you know, the guys had come, they paid for the event, and it was a very important part of the night. And I had to explain to the crowd what this was, and you know. My, my manager gave me a brief, right, Rav, this is what you've got to say. And it's something really simple, like this event was brought to you by Spring blah, 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 for, to win a chance for you and two mates to, to get VIP camping. Go and see the guys over there. That's all I had to say. But I, I wasn't very good at what <laughs> I wasn't very you know, I think I got nervous. And it was just like, hey guys, this is Spring Break Summer 2015. To win a chance with two of your mates to get VIP tickets, go see the guys over there. Let's go. That's what I did, and I think, um, it, it, although it's not a fuck-up, it, it is, in a way, because it was a very important part of the night, and I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm really glad that people important didn't hear that, because I didn't do it properly. Um, I do I do all that properly now, because I, I like to keep people happy. Um, um, but I'm trying to think, can you think of a fuck-up that you've seen me do? Oh, so I've said the wrong thing so many times. Like, in, in the wrong place. Yeah, I've gone on and I've said, uh, <laughs> oh, where did I say? I said Plymouth in Coventry. 
<laughs> so we did commentary. In front of 20,000 people. Yeah, in front of 20,000 people. And I'm like, what's up, what's up Plymouth? Eh? <laughs> Eh? <Ick>, yeah. <laughs> so I said, yeah, that was... Um, and then I had to quickly go back and be like, oh, it's so great to be in commentary. I'm like, yeah, smooth. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm in... Um, there's been many a fuck-up, mate. Um, you just... It, the the key is is that if you do fuck up, if you act like you didn't fuck up, no one knows you fucked up. You knew you fucked up when we was in Essex, and all the security were giving out the glow sticks. Oh my god! Yeah, I can talk about. And that. Um, you know, you told them to. They've got ten seconds to throw them all back, get over and done with. Three minutes later, still getting hit in the face with like glow sticks. Yeah. That, that that was a, that was a mistake. That well, no, I don't think it was because it would have get it would have got thrown back at us. It, Either way. And any DJs listening to this would, would vouch for it. And um, I, where did I hear it from first? I heard it from Annie Mack. Um, she, she said, she goes, you know, the, the glow sticks are being thrown out. And I knew they were going to come back at me. So at the start of the event, I said, oh, and everyone just throw your glow sticks, go on. And, you know, she got bombarded with these glow sticks and she carried on with the set. I guarantee you, at that set, she was still getting thrown glow stick halfway through the set. And the problem with this is that I don't mind glow sticks because they're cool. It's the way in which they were being given out to the crowd. Well, mm. We were at Essex Uni, and the, the security were throwing them at people's faces with no regard. And if I'm in that crowd too, and I get something thrown at me, the first thing I'm going to do is throw the fucker back. And I, and I knew this because people were getting hit in the face with these glow sticks. I'm like, what are they doing? Give the glow sticks out or wait, and I will give the glow sticks out. Don't fucking throw them at people's faces. At that point, they're literally thrown them out. All of them. There are thousands of them in this little venue thrown out. And I'm like, do you know what? I've got two choices. I can either act like that didn't happen and just make do with getting them all thrown at me during the set. Or I can try and at least get rid of 90% of these glow sticks. So I did that and I got bombarded with everything as well as drinks. Um, and... Uh, I don't think I don't know how I'd, I don't know how I'd approach that situation again. In fact, I do know I would stop it at the core. I would go to the doorman and stop that happening initially, and I'd probably wait. I'd probably ask to wait fifteen more minutes before we go on so it all settles. Uh, but yeah, I I don't think I'd do what I did again and just get people to throw it at me. I just, <laughs> because it, you know what, it would have get it would have got thrown back at us either way. Yeah, but I just think you raised a. Um... How can I put it? You sort of reminded them that they yeah, had they had glow sticks. You can throw them. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> and it's a learning curve, isn't it? I don't think I'd do that again. I'd stop it from the call. I'd stop them from getting thrown at people's heads initially. Right. So next question is from Brad. Um, do you miss Malia? Brad, Malia is like a second home. Uh, it always will be. Of course, I miss it. But I'm very lucky that I get to go back and do some sets there every year. Uh, and I love going back and seeing all the people and, and just living the Malia life again because it, it is really, really special. I've got a really special uh, place in my heart for Malia. I still wear the Malia 2013 white wristband, even though the Malia 2013 is completely worn off. It was the place that I really found myself as a DJ and I found my first piece of success as a DJ. And it was, uh, it's a love, it's, it's such an amazing place. If anyone's listening to this in the UK, uh, and you are keen to become a DJ. I know we talk a lot of shit on this podcast, but honestly, go away in the summer to one of these islands and go and DJ. 
It is the best thing you'll ever do because I'll tell you why. You're DJing seven days a week, no days off. You're going to get paid very little initially, but it's worth it. Live live with minimal means. So live in the cheapest apartment. Share with as many people as you can. You don't have to pay for much there. If you shop, you can live cheap on food. Uh, you don't really pay for alcohol because you work in a freaking club. And DJ, spend all your time working on that set. I guarantee you by the end of that summer, you can DJ with no headphones because that's how good it makes you. So, yeah, that's why Mali is really special. So, yes, Brad, uh, Brad I do miss Mali, mate. But I get to go back every summer. I'm very lucky. Uh, and I'm looking forward to going back this summer, hopefully. Can you remember the year that you asked me to go out? That was 2013, your... mate. That was that was the biggest well, year I had out there. Yeah, I remember. This, this fucking bench all didn't have a passport. I was good. I remember I was sitting on a building site. I got a text from you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, guys, I'm not coming back tomorrow. I'm going out to Malia. Totally built my hopes up, thinking that I'd get a passport in time. We tried everything, and it didn't happen. And the thing is, had you come out that year, you would have been like my warm-up DJ. You would have been a headliner now. You know, um, but back then, I like I would I would have taught you how to DJ, and you would have learned so quick because you was all like for for like for every day straight, and yeah, you would have loved. I I don't even want to go on about it because it will upset you. But that that it's was crazy how like stuff like that. You know, if that actually happened, I always think about it quite a lot about like little sort of decisions you make and things that happen can change your life. Like if I went out that year, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. No, I reckon you would. You get what I mean? You would have been a DJ. I think I don't know. I think you would have gone out. You, like you'd be going out every summer to DJ out there. No, well, I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know. It's mad how if I did do that, my life would be like completely different. I've got another question here from Francis eighteen. Francis asked, uh, "Did you find it difficult to start your DJ career in the industry?" A little, a, a little known fact about how I landed my first residency, Francis, in Leicester. Bear in mind that once I did my uni gig, that, that free uni gig, I never touched the deck again for about two years. I was I was always like rapping and emceeing. And as I got older, I realised I'm not, you know, this isn't really for me. So I, I, I used to manage a nightclub uh, in Leicester. And I left that job to go and get a proper job. I went to work with some food company. I fucking hated it. I got caught doing nightly on the motorway. It was horrible, 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 horrible. And it was just a bad, bad decision. And so I quit that and I went to Malia for three weeks. That was in 2008. And uh, that was my first taste of like emceeing and performing in front of people in clubs. And it uh, really got me like, oh man, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. And bear in mind that as an, as an Indian kid, you know, parents, bless them, they they want the best for you, and if they don't understand an industry, they're going to always try and steer you away from it because they don't know the, the, the success rate, the failure rate. And to be fair, if they knew the music industry, they'd still steer you away from it because there's so much failure rate. And it was hard. It was hard for me to, like, you know, make that big decision that I want to go there for the summer. And, you know, the conversations that I had to have with my parents at the time were just like, I'm doing it. I don't care. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And so anyway, I came back uh, from Mali after that three weeks stint. I had no job. I had no money. And I knew the club that I worked at paid DJs well. So I rang one of my closest friends, Toki, who was then the manager of the club. And I said, I need work, Toki. And he's like, all right, come work behind the bar. I was like, nah, I need DJ work. And he's like, but you can't DJ. 
So he, I don't know, I don't know how and why. I don't think it would ever happen again if we relive that moment. He got rid of his DJ, who was a good DJ. I know him very well now. He's a very good DJ, and he put me in, and I didn't know how to mix. So I went and grabbed loads of urban mixes, loads of garage mixes, and I listened to them, and then I tried to replicate them. And funnily enough, Rewires was one of them. He was DJM back then, and he had a uh, Malia mix, and I studied that from back to front. So for like four days straight, I'd go in that club, and I would practice and practice and practice. I remember my first sets at this club. They weren't very good, but soon enough, I got good because that's all I did. And even on my off days, when the club was getting cleaned by the cleaners, I'd know when they'd come in, and I'd be there waiting when the cleaners walked in the club, and I'd go and start mixing. And that was how I got involved in, in the DJ industry. And I, I, just, I, I think it was tough on a level where I took a jump into the unknown. But I'd never, I'd never change that if I could. It was the best decision I ever made. That's a nice story. Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite, uh, just imagine little Varsky waiting outside the club well, for the cleaner to walk out. And uh, th- there's, um, there's a place called Bombay Bites opposite that club. And I used to... <laughs> Obviously, Tom knows about Bombay Bites. Anyone in Leicester knows about Bombay Bites. And I'd go and get, like, uh, my lamb and rice in a box, and I'd sit there and eat and wait for them to come in. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wrap it up soon. I've got uh, a really good question here from Titty Titty Taboo. If you could host for any DJ, who would it be? Ooh. Do you know what? Sorry, Rewire. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, it sounds... Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a duo called Skellism. I don't know if well, anyone knows of them. If you, if you go, everyone go and just give Skellism a Google search and listen to their music. Oh my fucking God. That music like sends me into a different fucking space, man. Like it, it is hard. It's high octane. It's energetic and it's just all out rave. And that's what I love. Uh, this is why I do what I do because I love that. And I try and bring that into, into our work. I would love to host for Skellism with with the face paint. You would, yeah, hundred percent have the face paint. Yeah, I, it, it would. That would be sick. But I would urge everyone listening to this go and listen. Go and listen to Skellism's music because S K I L L I S M. They're they're fucking sick. They're definitely Marmite. Love or hate. Them. Yeah, you do, and you've got to be in the right kind of mood to listen to their music. But for me personally, their their music changes my mood. So if ever I need like a little uplifter or if ever I need a little focus music, they're the ones I go to. Uh, if it's modern day music, obviously Tiddy Tiddy Taboo, does any music, does any act count it throughout time? Because if it would be any act, it'd be on stage of prodigy that like I'd be like, it would be Keith, Maxim and Varsky. <laughs> Keith, Maxim, Varsky. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my ultimate dream to perform on stage with Prodigy. They're the people that got me into music. They're fucking, oh, they're so good. So good. Our intro music last year was Prodigy. It was. That's good. Oh, mate, it was. I think, where was we? We was in Serbia, wasn't we? It was in the hotel room. We made that. No, no, in Serbia, we made, uh, when the bass goes, we turn when the bass goes into like a, Uh, and we turn that into the intro music. And then the, um, 
the prodigy one was the day is my enemy and i think i sent i sent the uh i chopped it up and i sent it to, to rewire and he put it all together yeah mate it's epic epic but we've gone through all the questions we, there are a couple more there's like a couple of people asking about swansea crashes there's a couple of people asking more about plymouth any there's someone asked um Oh, so Luke asked another question, and he leaks with the MCB crashes lineup. Um, Luke, I can't say much, but all I can say is that all you need to know is that I believe it's going to be the biggest one yet. So, you know, the tickets sell out in three hours last year, and I'm pretty sure it'll be the same this year. So, you know, it's going to be the biggest one yet. People, there's no point in doing things if it can't be better than the last year. And MCV are the same. In fact, they're very good at doing that. And I think it's 100% going to be bigger than last year. Which year did you think was better, the Steve Aoki year or Afrojack in Plymouth? Um, what for, for for Plymouth or for for me personally? Just in general, like as a um, as an event. I mean, the numbers were bigger for Afrojack. Yeah, the numbers were bigger. Uh, to be fair, they were, for me they were, they were both the same. If I had to choose one, I'd just base it on the weather. <laughs> Whichever one was a nicer day was probably better because they were both just as good. No, but, but it was raining during um, Steve Aoki's set, wasn't it? Was it raining? So then yeah. the rain has basically put Afrojack in the lead. There's basically, I'm, I'm only saying that because there's nothing, there's nothing separating them for me. They're both amazing. In fact, one of the best events I do every year with the Club MTV team. Um, and if I had to be nitpicky, I'd have to just say whichever one was a nicer day was a better one. But it is cool because every time you go to Plymouth, people know your music. And there's, there's very few people in the place in the world we go where people know our music. Yeah, that's good, because people know what to expect from you guys as well. Yeah. That's why I feel like you've got quite a good following. It, we've got the biggest following in Plymouth, I think. I mean, is that is your set still up on your Facebook? Yeah, uh, the live set. Mate, that's got like, let me see how many views that's got. Hold on. Uh, videos. So the live DJ stream, how it's not been removed from Facebook, I don't know. It would If I upload that today, it'll get removed. Yeah. Oh, uh, one second. I had a Vorius play in my ear. Right, so uh, nearly 17,500 views on the Plymouth. Uh, 500 likes, 497 likes. Uh, you can, And then Derry's in the lead. Fuck me, Derry's on 17.9 thousand views. Well, from this year? Yeah. Really? Yeah, man. You did it to this year. Yeah. They, they, I, like, I like going back and watching them. They're the feel-good moments, they're really good feel moments. I just realised something. Well, this is like a dream for us. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just realised. <laughs> living a dream, lad. Every night after a gig, we'd whack on a podcast. And I was sitting here. Making a podcast. <laughs> Making a podcast. <laughs> We're just going to be sitting listening to our own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is good, this is. It's you know, a, a lovely podcast, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Uh, well, I really, I want, I really want to develop this. I mean, I'm only in the early stages, and I'm learning as well. Like, I've done loads of interviews already, um, and and with with DJs, but I don't want it to be purely about talking to DJs because a lot of what I want in this podcast gets taken away when you. Do, I mean, they're great, and I've got some amazing ones lined up, but I don't want it all to be about. I want it to be about uh, just this, what this is, you know. Yeah, I think we should do like a little question time. Yeah. For 20 minutes each one. But then I think feel like you should have like a little topic that you should sort of 
you focus on, but then you can, you know, it obviously it's going to go off tangent a little bit. Yeah, I think so. We should, and then I'll put the um, I'll, I'll whack the topics up on uh, social media. But I think I think I have gone through. Oh, Benjamin, favorite all-time song. Ah, okay, Benjamin. I have to say it. Um, I have it tattooed on my arm. Uh, Massive attack, teardrop. Um, and if you listen now, I'm going to post production and put that in. There, that's Massive Attack, teardrop. Um, my favorite song of all time. And I, it just it just is one of those songs that if I hear it anywhere, if I'm in the shops or if I'm anywhere and I hear it, I just stop. I have to stop and listen to it. It's that good. Um, Massive Attack are incredibly talented people who, um, you know, made some amazing music. Uh, but Teardrop was the song for me. Tom, what's your favourite song of all time? It's such a hard question. But it's got maybe a Michael Jackson song. And which one? Probably. Which one? This is the problem. This I was at my brother's this weekend, right? And I had all the cousins round, and we, we we were getting merry, and we we played a game. So we were sat around a circle on a dining table drinking, and we had our phones, and obviously he had a Bluetooth sound system. So we had one phone connected to this sound system, and we had to play a game. You got to choose a Michael Jackson song that isn't obvious. So Billie Jean would be obvious. Yeah. Thriller would be obvious. Bad would be obvious. You've got to go into the Michael Jackson collection and play a song that's got to get a reaction. If it doesn't get a reaction, you're out. So we did that. And my first choice was uh, PYT. Yeah. I'm on love you, PYT. And then it went round. And once it got to the third round, people had chosen all the good ones. Not that there were any bad ones, but like the, all that was like left was like Ben or like, um, you know, uh, you were not alone and I was just like a part of me was like I really want to play that but I don't want to bring the mood down because we're on a real good level right now <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you were not alone yeah just like bring everyone down it's like <laughs> <laughs> so I was like I don't want to play this so then I think my second one was um, Leave Me Alone on the Bad Album mm. And uh, and then by that time, everyone got bored of the Michael Jackson game and we just started playing any music. And then it went on to like R&B, Bashment, and then went to Garage. And then my cousin Ritz uh, switched on to Disney. So then we did like an hour on Disney music. Disney. It's amazing how many words you actually know to Disney songs. All of them. Like, well, more or less. Yeah, pretty much. Especially the, like, um, Can't Wait to Be King. And the Lion King album was oh, my choice. Standard. I think uh, Frozen was played. Prince Ali from Aladdin. <laughs> In the Aladdin. List, yeah, Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that was fun. And then, then it went on to like Bon Jovi. And then it was like two o'clock in the morning. My brother has this like wooden firehouse in his gar- in his garden. We were in that, and we were just like, shit, it's two o'clock, and there's neighbours. So we we went inside. Cool story, bro. And so that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I've got one more, one more question. Go on, go on. Lamb curry, tandoori mixed grill. See, I've given this a week's thought, dude. And I think of all the questions, I've given this the most thought. Any day, any week, twice on Sunday, I would eat either or either. Okay, let's get that straight. I want to put that out there right now. The Basky man eats curry if he could every day. What if it was your okay? What if you was about to get shot in the head? Right, and he said, 
But you have to, you know. Oh, they, so but what's you, gonna, but you oh. can eat, but you can eat one of these before you die. Lamb curry or what? A whole like tandoori mix grill, oh, lamb chops with la- lamb kofta kebabs, tandoori chicken, or is it my mum's lamb curry? Yeah, dude. It would have to be my mum's lamb curry and rice. I'll have like 18 plates of it. And I'm like, okay, you can kill me now. <laughs> I'd probably be kidding myself. <laughs> You're mad I could eat. But yeah, my mum's lamb curry. And I'm sorry, listeners. I'm pretty sure none of you will actually live to experience my mum's lamb curry. And if you don't like that, you can fuck off. But I do. And it's fucking great. She makes a mean lamb curry. We should make that as part of your set. Like, your mum's dished up in, you know, them little plastic tubs. <laughs> Just give them out. <laughs> <laughs> the they like the spell. Get the t-shirts out of the way. Yeah, fuck just, the t-shirts. We yeah, can just put last, lamb curry in Chinese takeaway containers <laughs> and just give them. A- <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think my events would sell out if I did that. Well, as soon as word got round, there he is. Lamb curry, mate, in like branded Chinese containers, like not even like properly branded. You know when you get a takeaway, they've just scribbled on it with like, a marker pen. <laughs> you just scribble stuff. It's got chicken tikka on it. At Varsky on Twitter. That's it, done. <laughs> Wait, not even a Chinese tub, like a, like a clover, old clover tub. <laughs> With butter. <laughs> <laughs> Just give whatever tubs you can collect to give out some lamb, lamb curry. What would you say? See, I don't know. I, I think life or death. Oh, no, not life or death. If I'm going to die in the last one, I'd, I'd probably go for, like, a full mixed grill. Fresh naan, you know. Yeah. Well, you can't beat a fresh naan. Garlic naan. Oh. Mint sauce, salad. Salad. <laughs> salad. <laughs> oh, some, what is it? What is it? You want chilli sauce salad? <laughs> <laughs> I love all that, mate. <laughs> we should get Paul Chowdhury on this podcast. Oh, that would be ultimate, like... That, oh my god, I, I, that would be ultimate, ultimate. You think you'd have to pay him? Yeah. Dude, I've been quoted prices to bring DJs on this show. And I'm like, oh, I, like, I just don't think they understand. Like, that's not what this show is about. Like, I'm asking certain guys because I, you know, we've been through a lot of them on tour and stuff. And the ones that have blown up, uh, I'm getting quoted prices. And I'm like, bro, safe. Good luck to you, man. But I'm not. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thanks. This ain't about that. This is about people who want to be on the show. This is about, you know, the group, the roots level of being a DJ and enjoying Indian food. Yeah. I think but, we should have one where we're eating, both eating. Oh, and, oh but, like, should we let the viewers determine what we order? <laughs> yeah, that could be a thing. Oh. We get recommended takeaways. But then it has to be, like, stuff. if we're in a different city, we can probably plan it so, like, we can keep a tabs on, like, so if someone recommends so and so let's say this restaurant or whatever in Reading and we're in Reading boom that's it done <laughs> we'll just do that's on next year of podcast <laughs> <laughs> but now let's wrap it up Tom thank you very much for listening guys you can catch Tom on social media at Thomas Bone with two E's on Instagram I don't really use anything else there you go Thomas Bone with two E's you can catch me at I am Varsky on Facebook, at Varsky on Twitter, at Varsky on Instagram, and obviously Varsky on Snapchat. Uh, thank you very much for listening. This is the I Want to Be a DJ podcast. I am Varsky, that's Tom Bone. Uh, a celebration, an education, and a truthful story about how we live. Thank you very much, guys. See ya.